What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Red Nation News Podcast. My name is Salman Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Here, join my co- my co-host Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, I look pretty good. Also joined by uh, a guest, uh, Eric Spiropolis at Eric Spiros NBA on Twitter. Uh, he's a managing editor of 94FeetReport.com. Um, he writes about the Rockets for Hoops Habit. How you doing, man? Doing pretty well. Happy to uh, finally get on the show. <laughs> yeah, we tried to get you on last week, but I yeah, mean, no. last week was a spectacle, man. Uh, so <laughs> let's go ahead and explain what happened uh, for the podcast these past for this this whole month, basically. Um, so basically, after I, I last recorded, the Rockets went on like a five game losing streak, and, I, and during that time, uh, or just right after that losing streak, um, I went on vacation, and I was on vacation for five days without Wi-Fi, without internet access. Basically, I can only access social media. I was getting box scores updates from Forrest. Like he was, <laughs> he was updating me play by play stuff, and I, th- I really appreciated that. Like I, I didn't get a chance to catch up on games. It, it was fun, by the way. It was it, fun. It was very fun. Like I actually enjoyed the game uh, better from Forrest's angle than I would watching on TV. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. I enjoyed the cruise. I'm back now. Um, as soon as I got back on land, I, 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 you know, caught up on all the Rockets games. Um, I'm caught up now. I've been, I've been back for about two weeks now. Last week's pot, we recorded a podcast last week, but it's funny thing happened. We recorded and after I was in, I can't find the damn thing on my computer. So as I was going back to edit the podcast, like I, I just can't see, I don't see it anywhere. So right now we're recording this podcast twice. Uh, once from one from my side and one from Forrest's side, just in case, uh, one of us loses the podcast. There's going to be a backup. Um, so yeah, hopefully that never happens again. Uh, and this new Skype stuff is hard enough to navigate as it is. We don't have to be losing podcasts on top of that. Um, yeah, so since, pretty much since the last time we recorded a podcast, the Rockets hit, hit a bit of a rough patch, man. They lost five games in a row since December 20th. Uh, they hit a bunch of injuries and Mute got injured. For a month, he dislocated his shoulder. Clint Capella went out for a few games. Um, then James Harden went out, and then Nene bruised his knee. The Rockets got hit with a rash of injuries pretty much all at once, and that was not good. It wasn't fun. The Rockets threw out seven-man lineup uh, last night in, in Phoenix. Um, yeah, it's it's it got pretty brutal there now for for, I mean, for a stretch, but it looks like they're starting to come back now. Um, yeah, the, the Rockets' defense went to crap in that stretch. Uh, I think they were 25th in defense for like a 10 game stretch. It, it, it was really bad. It was it was horrendous. They went back to kind of 
a, a worse version of last year's Rockets in terms of how bad their defense was. It was really, really bad. Um, they were giving up back cuts left and right in, in that Warriors game. Um, it was just a really, really bad effort on their on that end. And I think a lot of it just had to do with injuries, man. They just they just got hit with these injuries like pretty much all at once. And uh, I, I think a lot of it had to do with just the malaise of an 82-game season. I think some of that got mixed into it. But now the Rockets pretty much are the 14th uh, best defense in the NBA. Um, they recovered a little bit. They were down to 16th, I think. Now they're 14th. They're playing better as of late. Um, but they still need to clean up a lot of things that, on that end. They're not they're not the same Rockets team they were during that 14-game winning streak uh, when they were just a, a juggernaut on both ends of the floor. They're not that same team. And now, um, yeah, I mean, these, these last... These last seven games are recovered, but I want to go ahead and ask you guys: What did we learn about from this rough patch about the Rockets that we didn't know before? Well, that uh, they can get hurt a lot. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know. It's a hard question for me because honestly, their difficulties in this rough patch have looked really reminiscent to problems they've had in previous seasons. Whenever things get bad, they react kind of similarly. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what new I learned other than Chris Paul is really good and is going to be able to run the, the Rockets offense just fine. Uh, but we all were suspecting that was the case anyway. I mean, I think for me, one thing I took away, and I think most of us already knew this, but when the injuries happened, they had that five game losing streak. I think it was, you know, reassured that, you know, this team, it's only about being healthy and being fresh because <laughs> they've got to be healthy. But if they're healthy and worn out, which, you know, that which happened when they had a shortened rotation because of the injuries, they still couldn't really do anything. I mean, that game after uh, the Wizards game against the, the second night ever back to back against the Celtics was like one of the saddest games of the year. I mean, they were worn out. You know, they had a short rotation. That was bad. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. You, that that game, I think, was re- really just sad to watch and was really reflective of the fact that, you know, if they're missing two, you know, up to two players, that really hurts them because they have to play a lot of minutes and they're not going to be fresh and they're not going to be healthy. And this team, when healthy, is awesome. It's great. But when they're missing, you know, maybe maybe even one player sometimes can really hurt. If they miss Clint Capella, they really miss him. Mabamute, without him, their defense has really collapsed. So I think that whole five-game losing streak kind of, you know, reassured me that, it's all about being healthy and being fresh for the playoffs. Yeah, what I learned is like they're really, really shallow. Like they're more shallow than, than we originally thought. Um, I think going into the season, we thought this was a pretty deep team, and like their their top nine is really, really good. But after that, they're just really bad. I mean, the, I mean, they they don't really have much of a garbage time unit at all, um, and that really hurt the Rockets when these injuries hit because. I mean, they just had no one else to go to. They had to, they had to, they had to play Briante Weber. They had to pick up Gerald Green off the scrap heap, which, you know, he's been pretty good for the Rockets. Um, this, this is going to sound a little. Rep- he's been an absolute delight. Yeah, it's gonna sound, <laughs> this is going to sound a little repetitive for Forrest and I because we recorded this and we talked about Gerald Green for like five minutes. But I mean, the guy's been amazing from beyond the arc. Um, I, I'm sure there's going to be a bit of a regression, and I, I think we probably need to chill out him, chill out on him just a little bit. Like he, I, I don't think he's the next coming of Clay Thompson. Like we need to relax. <laughs> like, uh, but he's he's been uh, a fantastic pickup for the minimum for the Rockets. And yeah, I mean he's he's been able to put, to pick up some scrap heap minutes that the Rockets weren't able to find on the wing when Mbamute Mute went down. Another thing I learned from this stretch was that Mbamute, Mute, PJ Tucker, and Clint Capella are like more important to the Rockets defense. Than I first thought uh, going into the season, like they're really, really important. And Bob Mute is probably 
And I, I tweeted a stat out before um, we, we started recording. And Bob Mute is probably the Rockets' best perimeter defender. I, no, it's not even probably. He is the Rockets' best perimeter defender. It's not even close. Like, Trevor Reese is fine. P.J. Tucker is good. Like, he's... But he's... And Bob Mute is by far the best on the team. Like, their defense just goes to complete crap when he's not on the floor. I think he'd have a 108.2 defensive rating when he when he's not on the floor and a 97 defensive rating when he's on the floor. That's, that's crazy. Um, but, yeah, he's really, really important to the Rockets' defense. These last seven games, uh, they've won five out of their last seven. Chris Paul, as you mentioned, Forrest, he looks dominant uh, controlling the Rockets' offense. Uh, Gerald Green, uh, as we mentioned before, he's played well. But their offense just isn't the same as when James Harden's out there. Like, I, I don't know about you, Forrest. Like, it feels very different watching this this team uh, when it's run by James Harden when it's, than when it's run by uh, Chris Paul. Like, it's just it's just not as fun. And then that sounds weird. If it, it, it's, it's very hard to, to quantify something like yeah, that. It's, no, you're right. It's it's much more measured. Uh, it's much more methodical. Uh, it's kind of they're less likely to just totally dominate somebody. I feel like when James Harden is out there, they're more able to just eventually find some sort of a, some sort of crack in the defense that they'll just exploit all at once. And they'll just go on some crazy 25 to five run. It, they, it's just, it, with Chris Paul up there, it's very stead. Uh, they're going to get their shots off. They're going to find open shots and they're going to gradually overtake you. And, you know, the interesting thing about this past stretch, um, you know, without Harden, um, they've actually been passing the ball more, or at least they have more assists per game. Uh, I looked it up, actually, before we started recording. So for the season overall, they're 17th at um, 22.5 assists per game. Without Harden, they're 8th in the league with 24, a little over 24 assists. So it's, you know, it's about a little under 2 assists more per game. Um, but I do agree, it's it's almost weird watching the Rockets. And this also has come with a stretch where P.J. Tucker and Ryan Anderson just went completely completely cold so that also was probably a big reason why it wasn't as fun watching them because they weren't hitting shots at all um you know joe green is is fun and you know kind of spontaneous and he just kind of chucks away and he's been hitting a lot of his shots recently and that's you know i don't know if that'll keep up and i don't even think he's gonna have a consistent role once mabamute and harden come back um but it's nice because you know, you mentioned that they don't really have any garbage time lineups. I think that Gerald Green will kind of, you know, when the team is fully healthy, he won't be a guy who plays every night, but he will be a great guy to throw in if you need five to ten minutes during, you know, real minutes or, you know, during crunch time. You know, he's a capable guy to, to throw in there as well. So it is interesting watching them without Harden. It's it's obviously less exciting. It's more measured, as you said, Forrest. Um, but it, it it's... It just seems like very calculated and very not what we're used to seeing. Is that if that kind of sounds right? It's it's weird. Right. Uh, they I've, have they have a one eleven offensive rating in that in that stretch without Harden. Uh, that's that's good for six. And that's good, right? Like it's yeah. it's just it's just not the same. Like James Harden raises their ceiling to like a ridiculous level. Like I feel like the the same way with uh, KD and Steph on the Warriors, right? Like Steph makes that offense for the Warriors. And I feel mm-hmm. the same way about James Harden in this offense for the Rockets. Like they this like Chris Paul raises their floor. James Harden raises their ceiling. Like they're just at another level. Like like James Harden gets them a lot of dirty buckets when they go scoreless for a couple possessions, right? Like he'll get to the foul line or uh he'll take a stupid contested three that just goes in, right? Like like he'll he'll take a lot of bad crazy shots that just go in. And like you know, Chris Paul just doesn't do that. Like he'll he'll make crazy shots, but they're they're just not the same level uh, of a James Harden. And and we've known this for some time. James Harden's you know a, a substantially better player than Chris Paul. But I mean, it, it's just the it's just 
as you said, um, Eric, it's just more calculated. There's less turnovers per game. I feel I haven't checked the numbers, but I feel like there's less turnovers per game, and it just it just feels more tighter. If that makes sense, it just feels different. And um, it does not to say it's not effective. As I said, a one eleven offensive rating is really good. It's just not the same. If that makes sense. <laughs> and uh, the weird thing is that it's kind of the way the season's played out is that pretty much. Paul went out almost right away. He played the first game and then missed, you know, the next 15 or so. Um, and so Harden had his team kind of like last year. Now Harden has been out for, you know, up to two to three weeks. And now Paul kind of has had his own team. So it's, it's really been like, yes, they played, I, I think they've played, what was it, 15 games together. But, I mean, oh, half the season, it's only been one of them. And, and they obviously, you know, one of the things that people talk about them is how different they are on the court as players, but also how they lead and manage. And, you know, you watch the Rockets recently, and, I mean, Chris Paul, I mean, he yells like crazy at his teammates <laughs> for you know, if they mess yeah. up, if they make a good play. I mean, it's something completely different than what James Harden did in the past couple of years when it was only him um, leading the team. Can I say something, ran- like, random? Like, I-, I don't think I've ever seen P.J. Tucker smile, like, ever. Like, I've- I, don't th- I don't think I've ever seen him smile on the basketball court. Like, I, don't- I feel like he doesn't enjoy the sport, like, it's weird. Yeah, I've only seen him smile on like some pictures he's taking, like wearing a suit or something. Well, um, he must—he must have smiled when uh, Rhino had that uh, huge dunk on Alex. I, 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 I don't—I that... don't think there's an actual image of it, but I'm sure he must have been. That's—that's that's probably been the highlight of the season, and I—I I don't even know if I'm joking anymore. That's—I no, never no, thought it, I was going to see that. It was like that. It just felt crazy and per- like I had to check to make sure that was Ryan Anderson. That was insane. Like, he took off from like the bit. Like he took off from basically. The restricted area, and it, it just—he just hammered down on him, man. It was—it was just insane. Like the the entire bench went crazy. Clint Capella was right there. His reaction was priceless, man. Like, and it took—it took a couple possessions for it to die down. Like the excitement in the air, like the whole arena was just like it was. It, there was just a buzz in the air that just wouldn't go away. Because Ryan Anderson probably had one of the best dunks of the year. Like, not legitimately one of the best dunks of the year, if not the best dunk any Rockets had this year like it's it's it was it was just an insane dunk for anybody let alone someone who just doesn't dunk at all like Ryan Anderson never dunks and the, the one time he does it's a dunk like that it's that was just a it was definitely a high point for me yeah that was great well I've been really enthused by watching Chris Paul play with the Rockets honestly I think that there's there's a lot of silver linings to this hardened injury cloud as long as he comes back fairly soon uh, because now they're getting to learn how to play with Chris Paul, uh, and not just you know not just he's going to play with the system or whatever, but they're really getting to uh, learn some chemistry here. They're learning to run the system the way he wants to run it in a D'Antoni system, which is great because it gives the Rockets a complete second offense they can run, which is really scary. You don't see very many teams that have just two separate offenses they can run simultaneously or separately during a game. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. I'm well, I was just want to say. I mean, I think that was. I was going to mention that too. I think that having Paul, giving him time to kind of integrate. Not that. Not that there wasn't any chemistry between you know him and like Ryan Anderson and him and Clint Capella, but the fact that it's been his team for the past two weeks and maybe for another week. You know, if Harden is rumored to come back on a Thursday or next Saturday, that's nice for him to just kind of put his fingerprints on this team and you know obviously they stagger their minutes so you know Paul will have stretches where he's the only guy on the floor so now he's you know comfortable doing that with the guys he's playing with so I think that you know the injury is not 
the worst thing to happen. And the, the other side for Harden himself is that it's it's not necessarily rest. Like he's obviously training and you know still staying in shape, but it's a game. You know, it's a game rest. So he's going to have basically two and a half to three weeks off in January where he's not playing games. And you know, obviously Harden, you know, kind of got pretty tired down the end of the last season. So I would still hope that they rest him in April. You know, in the final week of the regular season. But this isn't the worst thing to happen because Chris Paul can handle it and Harden can get, you know, somewhat of a rest. Right. Uh, and in this time, Eric Gordon's looked awesome. Like he's way too overqualified for his role. Like as a, as an <laughs> off the bench player, like he starts on 25 other teams. Like, and I honestly believe that like he's been so good, 23 points per game. And, uh, he's been doing that on pretty much basically like off the dribble stuff. Like he, there, there hasn't been many catch and shoot opportunities for him since Harns went down. And, um, I mean, like, his three-point percentage has dipped. He's just been getting to the rack, man. Like, at will, his free-throw attempts per game, you know, have gone up. Like, it's kind of crazy how much better he gets when one of these two guys are down. Like, if you guys remember when uh, when Chris Paul was down and Eric Gordon was starting, like, he, he, he kind of went off then. Like, I, I don't know what the hell he did this summer, but he just looks amazing. Like, going going to the rack pretty much at will, it's just been fun to watch him. Um, and he, and you know, the offense, when Chris, when Chris Paul sits, it hasn't been, you know, it's, it, it's been, it's, it's, it's fallen off, but it hasn't been terrible. Like Eric Gordon's done a good job during these last eight, uh, last couple games, I would say passing the ball, finding his teammates. He's been better at that. Um, wasn't what, wasn't really one of his strong suits, but I feel like he's getting the handle of that right now. Um, and it's been kind of by necessity, but he's been good. He's been good. Like, if Eric Gordon can be this when James Harden comes back off the bench, man, that's a really scary proposition to have coming off your bench. I, I think one of the more surprising things is just his shooting. I mean, he's only, he, for the season, he's down to 33.7% on threes, which, I mean, I don't, if, if anyone told you that he'd be shooting below 34% on threes for the season, I think you'd, you know, pretty much laugh in their face. And, and the, just besides that, I don't know, you know, you mentioned, I don't know what he did in the offseason. I mean, he's more aggressive. He's His finishing at the rim is, is better than I remember. His finishing through contact is much better than I can remember. And even his foul-drawing tactics, I'm not sure maybe if Harden and, and, and Gordon kind of go to the side and practice and, and spend time doing this, but Gordon has seek quietly flown under the radar as someone who's really uh, fishing for fouls. I mean, you'll see he does the pump fake on the three. Um, he does, whenever he gets into the lane, he'll stop like two feet, two, three feet uh, from the rim and just pump fake again and try and just throw something up. I mean, I'll give him credit. I mean, it's pretty desperate, but I give him credit for doing it. And oftentimes he can finish through that contact, which is so great. I never feel like he's going to make a layup. Like, I don't know if you guys get that feeling, like, watching him go up, but he just, he finishes around the rim kind of goofy. Like, he'll, he'll do some bank side shots, like, like, where he'll, he'll twist the ball in the middle and, like, he'll go, he'll go in off the glass. And I'm just like, how the hell did that go in? But it goes in and it's effective. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been really good. He's been good. And, uh, it's, it's, the Rockets have definitely needed every bit of it. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about James Harden's return. He, James Harden, uh, Tim McMahon and Jonathan Fagan reported this morning from practice that uh, James Harden is set to return this week. There's, I saw a sentiment on Twitter from Rockets Twitter that, you know, like there's there's a feeling that maybe he's being rushed back too quickly. Do you guys agree with that sentiment? Man, I don't know what his leg is like. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I don't know either. I mean, I don't think any of us can properly say. I mean, no, there's been no report at all of any rumor of someone saying, you know, there are concerns that he might be being rushed to back, uh, back too soon. I mean, 
all the reports say that he is, you know, healing. He's uh, he looks active. There, I think Clint Capella took like a Instagram video of Harden training and and working out in the gym, and he looked good there. And he uh, went to practice. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Instagram videos of, of basketball professional basketball players shooting. I, I'm just not, I'm just not a fan. I'm sorry. Like I, I I don't believe anything I see on Instagram of of basketball. Like just. If you're a college basketball player, you're going to make all your open practice jumpers. Same thing like goes twice if you're if you're a professional basketball player. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, there's you're right. There there hasn't been any report of setback, but I mean, normally for a grade two MCL tear, I'm a grade two hamstring tear. I'm sorry, it's been like a, it's been a pretty slow comeback. Like so, do we at the do we expect it to be? a rough get-go when he comes back. Like He's definitely going to be on a minutes restriction of some sort for, for the beginning. Do we expect it to be, like, do we expect the shooting to be off? Do we expect to take to take time for him to come back? This is the longest stretch he's missed, at least in a Rockets uniform, if not for his whole career. I mean, these, this is the most significant injury of his career. Do we expect it to be slow coming back for him? Um, I wouldn't worry about the shooting. I'm pretty much only focused on him attacking the rim. Um, and you know, sometimes when he gets out in transition, he uses those kind of stop and start herky jerky moves, um, that could be hampered. I mean, all indications are he's going to be fully healthy when he comes back, but you never know. And maybe he feels a little bit, you know, rusty or sore there, or doesn't really want to test it too much. So I think that him, you know, his aggressiveness when attacking the rim, his ability to go through contact, maybe he'll shy away a little bit. Um, I think that's the real thing to focus on rather than his shooting, which will probably still, you know, jack up a bunch of threes anyways. <laughs> he always does. We just got to hope they go in that day. Yeah, I, I have no idea. My biggest, uh, the biggest thing I know about James Harden is that he is always tougher than you think he is. So, I, I don't know. I guess if, he's, if he thinks he's ready and his doctors think he's ready, then probably he's ready. Uh, maybe it'll he'll come back a little slow, but he plays through that pretty well. So as soon as we expect him to like come back at half speed, he'll come back at full speed. But then as soon as we expect him to come back at full speed, he'll, he'll look weird. I, I don't think there's any real way to predict James Harden at this point. He's uh, he's always going to play through anything he can play through, and it usually is fine. So hopefully this will be another time when it's fine. Right. Um, I'm I'm what I'm what I'm curious about is if the Rockets are going to play him on back to backs when he returns because. Like he's been really hesitant to you know accept restrictions from the Rockets training staff, like in terms of uh, resting a game or two. So I'm wondering if he does that when he comes back. If, if he sits some games uh, to kind of co- you know recover a little bit more on that hamstring um, off back to back. Like I, I'm wondering if they do that. I'm wondering how long the minutes restriction lasts. Like like there's they're definitely gonna do it for at least a game. But I'm I'm there's a there's a strong chance he like. He scraps it this like the the next game back right like there's a like there's a strong chance they they go with the minutes restriction for like one game and the next game it's just like you know who cares right like like it, I I have a feeling that's what's gonna happen and I'm worried like I'm worried if that's the necessarily the, the best thing for him going forward. Yeah, I mean, when Harden went down, uh, I can't remember exactly what game it was. It might have been in the national TV game against the Warriors. And um, I think Kevin Harlan was mentioning that Mike D'Antoni had said that he wants to keep Chris Paul's minutes at most, you know, 34 a game. And yet he's played like 36 plus minutes in like three of the six games without Harden. So, you know, fine. It's like three extra minutes. But it's just like the idea that I'm not sure if it's D'Antoni, if it's the player. And obviously these are, you know, strong top players of the league who, you know, I don't say they have big egos, but they want to play. And Harden loves to play and he never he never wants to rest pretty much, which is, I think, silly. But 
it's a little bit concerning that there doesn't ever seem to be even for Paul who was healthy, but you know, you don't want you want to keep him fresh. Even with him, they just they played him over what D'Antoni said publicly about what his quote unquote minutes limit was for Paul. So I do share that concern that that could happen with Harden pretty quickly. I th- I think it's Harden honestly. Like I I I don't want to put too much blame on on D'Antoni because Harden's done this before. Like he he's played a ridiculous amount of minutes before Mike D'Antoni was coach of the Rockets. Like he's he's just like I, I he's I, we talked about this on the podcast that was that I, I can't find on my computer. But I mean he's just a gamer, man. Like the guy. If you if you remember the 2015-16 season, towards the end of that season, he was playing like 40 minutes a night. Like he was, you legitimately like dragging the Rockets to the playoffs, uh, playing pretty much the entire second half of games. Like that's just the way he's always been. That's just the way he's wired. And I, and while while that may be a, a strong you know character trait, like I'm not sure if it's necessarily good for Harden in the long run, like if, if we're talking about like, you know, this, it's been a topic of conversation pretty much all year, you know, managing Harden's load. That's, that's why they brought in Chris Paul. That's why they, you know, that's, that's why they're trying to, you know, lessen his minutes. That's, that's, that's why there's been so, so much of a focus on his, you know, his pl- game six game playoff performance. It's because the Rockets feel that he's been putting too much, too much of an effort out there um, and carrying too much of a burden on the offensive end. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he still if if those same bad habits kick in uh, after his hamstring injury because this could have been worse, man. Like the like we've been we dodged a huge bullet with this James Harden injury. Uh, James Harden's been playing heavy minutes for five years straight now, and if this is the biggest injury that that's come of that, Rockets fans should count their best blessings, man. Like this was <laughs> this was, they dodged a huge bullet here. It could have been much worse, um, and. Uh, right now, like I'm wondering if, if they if they take that to heart and actually going forward reduces minutes and reduces workload, or if it goes back to the same old same old. And I think that there's an interesting kind of side plot that might affect his minutes. And I only bring it up because last season we ha- he had that wrist injury and he you know played through it for about a week and a half and then he basically like. Um, I don't know, someone forced him to sit down a game against the Suns, which they won easily anyways. Um, and, you know, when he went down, you know, people had him as the front runner for MVP um, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, people had LeBron a close second and people were like, oh, you know, this opens up for LeBron. And maybe by the time Harden comes back, you know, he'll have missed too many games to an MVP, blah, blah, blah. LeBron and the Cavs have, you know, I mean, they've been they've been <laughs> really bad straight up. Yeah. They've been bad for the past, you know, week and a half to two weeks. So I wouldn't say that. I mean, a lot of people still have Harden as the frontrunner, and I'm only saying this because we know Harden hasn't won an MVP, and he played through an injury last year to an MVP. Obviously, that was you know in late March. Um, but I do think that had the MVP race, and I wouldn't say it's a po- it's a, it's possible for it to be you know shut down you know in in January. But had LeBron and the Cavs continued to win, um, I think that it would have been clearer if you know someone would have been to say James, you know, you missed eight or nine games. LeBron's doing well the Cavs are doing great you know I don't think you can win MVP maybe you can rest more I think the fact that MVP is still out there for the taking and this is just from Harden's perspective I think he still might want to play for that MVP and I think that it's up to management and coaching to really sit him down and say you know you can still win the MVP by playing you know 34 minutes a game instead of like 36 or 37 
Yeah, and the number one plan, of course, is get back to where they were a few weeks ago and just start crushing everybody they come across. That's the that's plan A. That's always going to be plan A for this team because we know how good they can be. We know how high their ceiling is, and the longer they can get to that ceiling, the more they can uh, they can actually sit guys down. Especially if Briante Weber can help them not totally throw away leads every time the A team comes off the floor. And they have Gerald Green now for those minutes, right? Like, uh, the, yeah. the hope is that, you know, the Rockets have somewhat of a better bench uh, crunch time unit. And you know what was crazy about this stretch of injuries? It's, it's The garbage time guys were injured, man. Zoti went down. Uh, Troy Williams went down. Like, like it, it was bad, man. Like, even even the Rockets, like, bottom of the barrel guys were hurt. Um, and yeah, and, and hopefully those guys get back soon. But you're right. Like it's it's Briante Weber, Gerald Green. These guys have to be able to keep, maintain leads for these guys to get rest, man. Because, I mean, that's that's pro, that's pretty much the main reason D'Antoni waits so long to to put the garbage time units in. It's because he doesn't trust them. It's it, they blow leads, and if if he's gained enough trust for them in this time where where you know pretty much everyone's been out, if he's gained enough trust, like the hope is that. You know, James Harden, Chris Paul, Trevor Ariza, those guys can get enough rest to where they're healthy and the re- and well rested for the postseason. My, I'm one of the more interesting things that I'm looking forward to is that um, it looks like Mabamute will be coming back tomorrow, uh, Monday against the Clippers, and Harden I think is reported to come back Thursday or if not maybe Saturday. So by the end of this upcoming week, they should have. And, you know, Tariq Black, I think, should also be back as well. They should have, you know, their nine. You know, Nene might still be out, but Tariq Black can replace him for a couple games. I'm interested to see what Gerald Green's role is. Uh, he Because with Tucker and Mabamute, um, then you move Eric Gordon back to the bench, and then you have Tariq Black. That's Or Nene. That's like your nine that usually come off the bench for the Rockets when they're fully healthy. You know, Green doesn't necessarily fit in the rotation. Obviously, he provides much more shooting than Mabamute or Tucker, but, you know, then you have to counteract the defensive, you know, side of the ball. I'm interested to see Green's role. I think he becomes a player who doesn't play every night. But if their offense is is stagnant or if they're sloppy and they need some shooting and they need, they need someone to go out there and, and get buckets, I think Green will play. But I think that he's going to lose that consistent rotation spot. Um, and some nights he'll play 20, and some nights he'll not, he won't play at all. That that's what I think. I mean, hey, the Rockets need yeah, that guy, uh, right? I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I think that's right, that, the, that he'll play different times depending on what the matchup is. And I think they're if they only had like one more guy who was rotation quality, they could really have some, uh, some elite lineup uh, flexibility. But yeah, I think that he's just going to have to be happy with getting irregular minutes and be able to come out there and shoot the lights out every now and again, depending on who they're playing and if he's playable on that given night. Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of what the Rockets wanted, right? They've been lacking a a good tenth guy, and I feel like Gerald Green is is that. Like he's he's the Rockets version of he's like what the, what the Nick Young is to the Warriors, right? Like he's that guy who who plays if you need him to play, but is probably isn't going to play every night, right? And the Rockets have been missing that guy for a long time. You know, we talked about how the Rockets lacked a fourth guard for the longest time. Maybe that's Gerald Green, right? Maybe maybe that fourth guard is Gerald Green. Um, maybe that garbage time guard that plays with, uh, you know, that that plays with the young guys is Gerald Green, um, and maybe maybe this is this is them saying we're probably not going to make a move to the trade deadline. Like maybe, maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe we get an inactive trade deadline this year from Daryl Morey. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm so interested to see these questions solved. One thing I'm really interested to see is how much Mba Mute unlocks from uh, from that old Rockets team. That that you know, 14 game wins, games in a row, Rockets. Like how much of that defense comes back? How how good? How much do they climb in the rankings uh, in terms of defensive rating? And can they get back to like a top 10 ish defense? Like that's what I'm really interested to see because. With Mbab Mute, you get so much lineup flexibility. You get to play PJ Tucker at center. You get to play Trevor Ariza at power forward, or or Mbab Mute at the power forward position. Whatever you get to play those small ball lineups that you haven't been able to play in this time that Harden and and uh, Mbab Mute have been out, and you get you know that mega death Rockets team that we've been we've been waiting to see again, like that we've seen so little of, and. Yeah, I mean, if if they can get back to that level, then we can get back to talking about the Warriors again. Because again, we haven't even talked about the Warriors on this podcast, and we've talked that we talked about them on pretty much every other prior podcast. The Rockets have to get back to their prior selves to even get back in that discussion right now. Like, I, I, and I, I've heard you talk about this, Eric. Like, they're so far away from the Warriors that you know these this these injuries have set them back even further. And getting those guys back just you know it. I'm not sure if it's going to close the gap all the way, but it, it, it certainly helps. Yeah, I mean, I think Mbamute is, is so underrated. I mean, when they signed him, it was underrated. Um, and coming into the season, it was underrated. And when he's, since he's been hurt, you know, I'd say that if you if you were to listen or hear any kind of analysis, and I'm, I'm not even talking about the mainstream, like ESPN or whatever, who, you know, might, or TNT or whatever. I'm talking about even some, you know, pretty in, in tune NBA analysis, even sometimes those analysts forget to mention that Mbamute has missed the past month. And I think that that's really doing him a disservice because I think although Tucker signed early in free agency and for a bigger contract, I think Mbamute is actually more valuable for the Rockets or has been this season. Yeah. Um, he's, He's shooting better. He's, he's hitting the three better than Tucker is. Tucker's defense was, was really disappointing for me in the past, you know, five to ten games. I, I'm not sure. He's He's been closing out weird. He's been fouling players when he closes out on three-pointers. He missed um, a lot of switches. Like His help defense wasn't great this past month. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was it was weird. And, you know, t- the report from Tucker is that, you know, he can he can be really hit or miss. Like he'll go for like a two week stretch where he looks like a lockdown defender. And then the next two weeks, he's like an average defender. And, you know, his shot completely abandoned him for about like two weeks there. Um, and so Mabamute, if he can come back, still hit, you know, 37 percent or 38 percent of his threes, which is what I think he was doing for the season um, and just provide the good defense that he did before he got hurt. I think there's more value in that than what they're getting from PJ Tucker. And, you know, the ironic thing is that Tucker is more willing to shoot. He attempts more threes per game than Mabamute does, even though Mabamute is shooting better um, from three. So I think it's going to be huge for them to get Mabamute. Um, again, lineup flexibility, another defensive wing, less minutes for Ariza, maybe less minutes for Tucker, depending on, you know, the matchup, if they need more length from Mabamute. Um, and, you know, he's not really a. a you don't really hear Mbamute as a leader on the court, but you know his presence defensively can really help out some other players around him. Um, so I think it'll be huge for their defense, and I think they could get back to around tenth defensively if they can stay healthy for the next couple of weeks after they come back after he comes back. Right in December, the Rockets were the twenty fifth best defense in the NBA. That's that's ridiculous. Their their defense. Yeah, it's such a huge drop. It's a, it's right. a ridiculous drop. Like the, it it. T- it it tanked their their ratings, their rank in the defensive, uh, you know, specter in the league. It, it it just, you know, like they they were top five before. They they dropped down all the way to fourteen. That's insane. 
Like one month dropped him down 10. That's crazy to me. And I mean, if Mbamute can get them up to like the top 10, I mean, that's a huge credit on this part. And you know, that just shows, how, as you said, Eric, how underrated he is as Rockets defense. And yeah, I mean, we have... We have yet to see what this Rockets team can do fully healthy for more than 14 games. Uh, I, I'm interested to see it. I know you guys are. Um, they, they have a difficult, a somewhat difficult schedule coming up. They play the Clippers next. They play the Warriors and Timberwolves, uh, who have been really hot this month. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they how they're battle tested at full health. I, I'm I'm personally really interested to see that Warriors matchup um, at full at full health and if. James Harden's on a minutes restriction or not? Because I really want to see a fully healthy Warriors play a fully healthy Rockets team one more time. Because we only saw it once, and I want to see it one more time before we get to the postseason. And you know, we have more material to work with. It's it, it's it's fascinating to me how they match up. It's fascinating to me how how each team how each individual team's death lineups match up with each other. I find that stuff really interesting because. The Rockets have been talking their ears, talking everyone's ears off about how they want to play the Warriors in, in the postseason, how they want to, how they want to trump the Warriors in the postseason, and you know we have yet to see how they can do it at full health, other than other than that first game. So it's going to be interesting to me, and I, I, I'm I'm interested to see um, how they do against these other teams too uh, coming up. Yeah, I mean, I think that the next four-ish or five games, I have the schedule in front of me, so it's at L.A., home against Minnesota, home against Golden State, home against a Miami team that's won seven straight and is playing out of their minds, um, and then at Dallas, which is, you know, Dallas isn't that good, but it's on the road. So, you know, that's a that's a pretty good stretch for a team that's finally getting healthy. So, you know, they're not going to have any times to beat up on the on the bad teams like the Phoenix Suns and the Magic, even though the, those teams are coming up at the end of the month, but... They're going to, you know, right and the team's going to get healthy. They're going to right, jump right into the thick of things. You know, the Clippers are playing well. Obviously, the Timberwolves are playing well. The Warriors are the Warriors, and the Heat are playing well. So some a couple of really nice tests to see the Rockets healthy, not only against the Warriors, because obviously that's a team that, you know, everyone's most interested in seeing them match up, but even a team like the Timberwolves, who are, I think, you know, one game behind the Spurs for the third seed, that's how well they've been playing, and a Heat team that has a really good defense as well. So a couple of different tests even though all eyes will most likely be focused on that Warriors game for for the right reasons of course right and and even that Dallas game you mentioned like Dallas is a a bad team but they'll push you man like the Rick Carlisle has those guys pushing team like like when they lose games they only lose by a a point differential like five or something like Like, it's not by much like they 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 push the best teams like they get up to play every night like I I think even that will be an interesting test to see if they can really put them away uh, early on but yeah, it's going to be a really interesting. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see how they fare against these teams. Uh, if they can come out above 500 or below 500, it's going to be interesting to see how they how, how they do. And especially that Warriors matchup is you know everybody on this call and pretty much everyone who follows the sport is interested in seeing. And yeah, guys, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Follow me on Twitter at Renations. Follow Forrest on Twitter at Do Nots. And follow uh, Eric on Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. And yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>